It's Wednesday, September 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Brian Feraldi. Good to see you, my friend. Chris, great to be back. Uh, we're going to get to Apple's event for all the listeners out there who are like, are you going to talk? Yeah, of course we're going to talk about Apple's event, but we've got some earnings to get to. And we're going to start with FedEx because shares of FedEx are hitting an all-time high today after first quarter revenue came in north of $19 billion. That is a record. And it's not just revenue, Brian. Their margins are ticking up as well. And this was this was a really good quarter for FedEx. Yeah. If you're a FedEx investor, I mean, pick a metric. It looked good. As you pointed out, $19.3 billion in revenue, a quarterly record, and that was up 13.5% year over year. Uh, for comparison, Wall Street was only expecting $17.5 billion, so significant top-line beat, not something you usually see with a company of FedEx's size. Uh, more impressive, though, was the rest of the income statement. If you worked your way down, they really had some strong operating leverage, and they were actually able to grow their net income 67%. 67% growth in net income to 472 a share. Again, Wall Street only expecting 269. It's not often you see that kind of delta for a company like FedEx. It's not and they didn't really give guidance, did they? Because it, it, I, I, in terms of uh, what I saw this morning, I didn't see official guidance, but I saw some maybe encouraging signs uh, out of FedEx in terms of the end of the year. FedEx is one of those companies that is certainly a bellwether for the consumer economy. And among other things, they said they're going to be hiring 70,000 seasonal workers. That's encouraging. That's up from last year when they hired 55,000 seasonal workers. And it, it seems like FedEx is gearing up for a strong holiday. Yeah, they didn't. They did not give official uh, guidance other than their capex, but they did say that we are preparing for what we're calling the shipathon, and we're going to prepare for a peak, <laughs> a peak like no other. Uh, and one reason that they called out that their growth was so strong uh, this quarter was huge volume growth in FedEx International priority. One of the things they pointed out in the call was that a, ma a lot of their competitors you know, the, the, from passenger airlines have cut a lot of their international flights. So the sheer number of flights that are out there to ship package on has declined significantly. FedEx has been there to really fill that void like no other. One other thing I found really interesting on the call was that they were previously predicting pre-COVID that the in the U.S. The, the the number of packages that were going to be delivered on any given day would hit about a hundred million from e-commerce sales by 2026. They're now saying they they think they're going to hit that by 2023. So this is another sign that the move to e-commerce has been shifted forward multiple years. And FedEx is basically saying, we think it's been poured at least three years. If you're invested in any e-commerce company, that's got to be music to your ears. It really does. And it, among other things, it validates what we've heard the last few months out of Walmart and Target. When they talk about sort of the, the, the way they have pulled that part of their business forward, I mean, a, a data point like that out of uh, FedEx is um, uh, a strong validator. Definitely. And great time to be shipping things to people's homes. I know that the number of deliveries that are coming to my house are at an all-time high right now. We'll probably remain there for, for some time. I'm sure it's the case for you too, Chris. 
Shares of Adobe are down a little bit today, uh, despite the fact that Adobe posted record revenue in the third quarter. Profits also came in higher than expected. Why the pessimism from the short-term traders on Wall Street? Is it is is this profit taking just because Adobe's had a, you know a, a great run uh, over the past six months or so, or you know the past. 30 years, basically. Uh, Adobe was one of those companies that I personally ignored for years, but this is an unbelievably impressive business, and this is a business at scale. And their, their quarterly results were fantastic. Again, pick a metric, it looked good. We saw revenue grow 14% to $3.2 billion. Wall Street was expecting $3.1 billion. Uh, adjusted earnings were up 25% to 257. Wall Street was expecting 241. So a strong beat on both numbers. If you drill down into the results a little bit more, you saw that their digital media segment, which is all the properties that most of us are familiar with, like uh, Photoshop and Premiere, 19% revenue growth there. And that's a software as a service business. So that's recurring repeat purchase revenue. And within that segment, they called out that their document cloud, which includes their Adobe Sign product, which is very much a competitor to DocuSign, growing very fast. The Adobe Sign grew 200% uh, year over year. So that's great to see. Their digital experience side, which is their business-to-business offering that helps with like marketing campaigns and automation, uh, that only grew 2%, but they had some, there's a business in there that they're getting out of. If you strip that out, they actually grew 14%. Gross margin, 87%. They bought back stock. I mean, pick a metric. It looked good. It really did. And you're absolutely right about the long-term performance of this business, although this is one this is one of those businesses that, you know, a lot of times we like to, uh, yes, we talk about what's happening today or just this week, but we like to zoom out and say, well, let's look at the five-year chart, that sort of thing. Um, with Adobe, you can zoom in at various points over the past 10 years, and you can see short-term you know, pretty dramatic drops over, you know, sometimes it's in reaction to earnings, something like that. But just, you know, earlier this morning, I was watching an interview on CNBC with um, uh, Shantanu Narayan, who's the longtime CEO of Adobe. Um, He's been there, I think, almost 13 years. I mean, he's been at Adobe longer than that, but he's been CEO for about 13 years. And uh, my gosh, the the stock is basically up tenfold in the time that he's been running that company. Um, although I will say, I was struck by the fact that um, we can add Narayan to the list of CEOs, uh, and also on that list is Reed Hastings from Netflix, talking openly about returning to the office, which I found interesting because you know, and, and in the same way with with Hastings, where it's like. Reed Hastings runs a business that um, is predicated on people being in their homes. Adobe, in theory, thrives when people are working remotely. And yet, Narayan was talking about um, wanting to get back to the office in a safe way because of um, what he thinks that means for new projects, uh, something Hastings talked about recently as well. Um, but regardless, I mean, this the way Adobe has grown their business uh, over the past decade in particular has just been, uh, it's just been amazing. And it's not, 
you know, for all of the the growth of the company, for all of the great performance of the stock, it's not really a business that gets name checked in the same way that we talk about some of the other big tech winners. And yet, this is a company that's currently worth two hundred and thirty billion dollars. And I, I I love that you called out Narayan there. He to me is an unsung tech hero. Uh, if you look, I mean, he has taken care of all of his stakeholders during his tenure. He's just been a fabulous leader. He's actually consistently ranked as one of the top CEOs according to employee rankings. If you look at his Glassdoor ratings, they're stellar. 95% CEO approval rating. Uh, Adobe itself gets a great place to work. And as you pointed out, five years ago, this was an $80 stock. After today's decline, $480 stock. So Adobe has consistently won, and Narayan is a big reason why. Apple had their big event yesterday. Uh, no iPhone 12, but uh, presumably that is coming next month uh, because Apple is going to have another event next month. Uh, but yesterday uh, was busy, at least in terms of the number of announcements they had. They unveiled a new Apple Watch, new iPads, uh, a personalized fitness service called Fitness Plus, because everything now has to have a plus. Um, they also unveiled a bundle of services, sort of bundling uh, Apple Music, TV, Arcade, iCloud storage. Um, so th- there's a lot to go over there, Brian. Let me just step back and say, in your mind, what was the biggest thing they announced? They did announce a bunch of incremental improvements. Uh, To me, the the big takeaway here, or the thing that excited me the most, at least, was the the new Apple Watch, the Series 6. It has a built-in O2 sensor that allows them to really catch up with with Fitbit. I'm not an Apple Watch user myself, but to me, that is a great product for Apple to push. Once you have an Apple Watch, you are, and you use it consistently, that locks you into the Apple ecosystem like almost as strongly as the iPhone. I can tell you my wife has been an Apple Watch user for years. When we go on vacation, she has to take a whole separate charger with her just to charge her Apple Watch. And I'm like, can't you just leave that thing at home for a couple days? And she basically refuses. I know there's a lot of other people out there that feel the same way. And Apple also launched... um, a more affordable Apple Watch, the Apple Watch SE, which retails now at $279. doesn't have the O2 sensor, and it's a little bit slower, but that's a very affordable price point for a lot of consumers. They also have their older generation watches that are even lower price. So to me, the big takeaway here is they're deadly serious about the Apple Watch. It's been a very successful product, and it expands the ecosystem. If you're an Apple shareholder, that's exactly what you want to see. I agree with everything you just said, which is why it's interesting to me that the Apple Watch is not getting nearly the attention, at least in terms of the financial media, that the Fitness Plus service is getting and the bundle of services. Um, so, so let's dig into those a little bit. Uh, the shares of Peloton down a little bit today. Shares of Spotify uh, down a little bit more today. Uh, I think that is probably due in some small part to... Apple's um, announcements yesterday, whether it's the Fitness Plus or sort of the bundling of music, um, just from a financial standpoint, the bundling move is is an interesting one to me because Apple's been doing a good job of making money from Apple TV, Apple well maybe not as much Apple TV, but certainly Apple Music, Arcade, the I, iCloud storage. I was a little surprised by the bundling move because they've certainly priced it in such a way 
that they want to try and get people into that ecosystem. And maybe the bet they're making with the bundling, Brian, is similar to the one with the watch, where it's like, if we can get more people into this, we can keep them there. Yep. That's been Apple's secret sauce all along. Whenever they launch a product or a service, it reinforces all other products and services. And the fitness product they launched was $10 a month or 80 bucks per year. And that's very much going directly after uh, a Peloton. I did a quick poll on, on Twitter just saying, do you think that this is a threat to, to, to Peloton? Uh, and of the 3,400 uh, responses we got, 60, you know, almost two thirds of people said, yes, this is a direct threat uh, to, to Peloton. I'm not a Peloton user myself, but I do understand the appeal of the platform, but not everybody wants to spend a couple thousand dollars on a bike or a treadmill. Apple, by offering these products directly into the Apple Watch and the iPad, that could make that exact same service available to a lot of people very cheaply. And we also know that Apple has a billion active consumers out there that they can push this to. So I kind of agree. I think that this is a threat to uh, Peloton. I don't think people are going to abandon their Peloton to switch over to Apple. But I do think if you're on the fence about a Peloton and this comes out, this sounds like a pretty attractive option. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's. Um, I think it's just a question of like, and and we will find out as time goes on how big a threat is it. I think I think people are whistling past the graveyard if they think no, this is not a threat. It's like no, it it, it, it is at a minimum, it is a small threat to Peloton, and unlike video streaming, where there are multiple winners, in part because people have multiple streaming services. I think fitness and music are more of a zero-sum game. I don't imagine, you know, why if you're paying for Spotify, why would you pay for Pandora or Apple Music and vice versa? If you're paying for Peloton, you're probably good in the fitness department and this isn't anything you need uh, to go out and spend money on. Um, but certainly, to your point about the pricing, Apple is pricing this in such a way that makes it easier to test into. You can say, ah, I'm going to I'm going to try this for 10 bucks and just see how it goes as opposed to, yeah, I'm going to throw down 4 grand on this Peloton bike and see how it goes. Yeah. And I do think that they're taking a Disney Plus approach here uh, to their bundling of the pricing. So their top tier, uh, their top tier program, which includes Apple Music, Apple TV, Apple Arcade, uh, Apple Fitness, additional storage, Apple News, all of that combined is going to be costing $30 a month. If you're a subscriber to one or two of those services, that's an attractive package right there for $30 a month. I don't think Apple's going to make a ton of money at that kind of price point, but once you're in, once you're using it, I could definitely see Apple flexing some pricing power over time and kind of ramping that up slowly to improve its margins. So I think it's a good move by Apple, and we'll just have to see whether or not Peloton responds to this by lowering prices or if their growth rate slows. We'll have to see. We'll also have to see where does the Fitness Plus go um, a year from now. Uh, both in terms of what do the numbers look like in terms of people uh, signing up for this, but in terms of what else does Apple uh, offer? I, I was thinking this morning about the launch of the first Apple Watch and the reaction to that device. Um, and it reminded me of the launch of the iPad 
and the reaction of that device. And in both cases, you can, you know, don't take my word for it, go back and look. There was a healthy amount of skepticism for both the Apple Watch and the iPad. And a bunch of people saying, eh, I don't know about this. And Apple has, you know, one more strength of that business is their ability to methodically improve devices over time. Um, which is, at least in the case of the watch, is I'm sure why your wife insists on taking it on vacation. Exactly. And I think the O2 sensor is a pretty attractive feature. That is something that they've lacked. That's the one thing that Fitbit has had over them. So it's good to see them catching, catching up there. I could see all of these products selling very, very well. And the nice thing for Apple is they're not depending on Fitness Plus being a huge hit. To them, it's a thing that accelerates or strengthens their ecosystem. For Peloton, that's their business. That's all there is to it. So that's what you can do when you have the scale that Apple has. Brian Feraldi, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. You too, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.